Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of comic books that have come out this week. We're going to kick it off with The Amazing Spider-Man number 75 from Marvel, written by Zeb Wells and Kelly Thompson, art by Patrick Gleason, Travel Foreman, and Ivan Fiorelli. So reason I thought it would be interesting to kick off with this one in particular is we have been pretty critical of the run of Amazing Spider-Man so far. There have been things that I think particularly me and Justin have liked about it as it's gone on, but definitely felt mm-hmm. like the whole kindred mystery dragged on much longer than it should have. There was a lot of different things going on there, despite the highlights. Personally, I felt uh, put off is probably too strong, but I definitely was not into Amazing Spider-Man right at the end there. But here we're getting a new era with a new team working on the book, we're getting Ben Riley back in a new and different way, as well as the Beyond Corporation, which has huge ramifications for the Spider-Man universe. So what did you guys think about this one? Did you feel like it was a fresh start? Were you into what they were doing here? What's your take? Justin, since you, like me, were, I think, a little iffy about the Nick Spencer run, particularly towards the end, what was your take on this one? I like this book a lot. Um, the Ben Riley stuff has me a little nervous because we're already doing like, hey, there's two Spider-Men. And here we're dealing with that complication. Um, I liked the first half of this uh, this issue. It really sets up some Uncle Ben stuff and some Peter Parker dealing with guilt, which I think is uh, his main driver as Spider-Man. Um, and so to really get into that, I, I think is uh, a fun and gets us back to sort of the basic Spider-Man stuff. Um the Ben Riley stuff, I'm curious if that will be an all-encompassing part of this book. I would hope that we get more than just clone competition stuff. And the art the art is very good. Yeah. Pete, what about you? You've been okay. very critical across the board of Spider-Man, so I'm curious if this sucks you back in at all. Okay, well, first off, thanks for setting me up like that, you fucking asshole. But <laughs> no. that's um, nice. That was like nice. I would like to be uh, clear. I think Zeb Wells, fantastic writer. If I see the name Zeb Wells, I'm checking it out. Okay, so um, I was excited when I saw the title. But uh, unfortunately, when it comes to Ben Riley, uh, it doesn't uh, go well. Uh, it's kind of downhill for me. I don't like this idea of the twin uh, version or whatever, however you want to fucking clone. clone, whatever bullshit you want to say. Because then it gets down to this last panel, and I'm like, oh, God, awesome, but which Spider-Man is that? I can't fucking tell. So, um, yeah, I'm excited we're walking away from what we're walking away from. I'm not excited that now we're talking about the fucking twinsy fucking uh, Spider-Man. So, um, I I don't know. I hope. What did you think about uh, the twinsy saga back in the day? You were a fan of that, right? I was a fan of twins, you know. (laughs) 
You know, I <laughs> the, think that's the movie a fun twins. one. Great yeah, movie. exactly. Yeah, you forgot the first rule of the crisis situation. It's a great uh, Schwarzenegger impression. I just oh, okay. Uh, anyways, um, I also like the UFOs in this. I think mm-hmm. they're a fun, always like f- new writer on a book. Like, let me throw the UFOs in there, which I think is fun to see that here. Yeah, Alex, I like this. I was nervous about the Ben Riley thing, like you guys, just because I feel like, like we talked about, I, I believe, on the last episode of The Stack. The Clone Saga is almost a go-to at this point with people being like, we're going to bring this back. We're going to make this actually work. So it almost feels overdone in a certain way. But Zeb Wells is very light on his feet with the writing. There's Spider-Man's. Both of them are written very well. There's some creative stuff here. I think what we're getting, and this is getting into spoiler territory, but is Peter Parker out of the way for a little bit so that Ben Riley could take the spotlight and we can see how that works before, as usual, it inevitably gets messed up in the way that only Spider-Man stuff can. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to follow this story now, which I was certainly hesitant going in. Also, the stuff with Kelly Thompson and the backup. There's a bunch of other things that are being set up here that I thought were nice. And we're getting teases for down the road. There's going to be... It seems like more of a team dynamic. In a certain way, it, it's not even an amazing Spider-Man book. It's like Ben Riley and team book is kind of what I'm getting here. And they've right. stealth its way in there. But ultimately, it needs to be about Peter Parker because it's amazing Spider-Man. So I'm curious to see what they're going to be saying about him long term. Next up, let's uh, talk about the best Title of the week. I'm not saying the best comic of the week, but the best title of the week. Are you afraid of Dark Side? Number one from DC Comics, mm. written by Elliot Kellen, Kenny Porter, Calvin Kisulki, David Wilesgoss, Colin Kelly, and Jackson Lansing, Ed Bryson, Terry Blass, uh, Terry Blass, and Jeremy Hahn. Art by Mike Norton, Max Dunbar, Rob Gilroy, Pablo M. Collar, Jesus Hervas, Tony Avina, Gary Brown, and Tony Atkins, and this. This is a collection of short stories, but the setup here is very much like the show. Are you afraid of the dark? Except you're getting yes. the teen Titans telling yeah. stories around the campfire, this... spooky stories. And I I'll tell you what, um, like we talk about all the time, the short story collections are a mixed bag, but the framing device was so perfect. I yeah. was into it pretty much the entire time. I mean, this is just a fun kind of like if you're looking for a Halloween ghost story type of book, this is perfect. Really uh, great art, fun stories. This is just a great collection. I think uh, uh, I think this was a smart idea to make this comic book, and I'm glad that they did. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I feel like it's really hard to find um, a collection like this where the wraparound really works and really is fun and funny in the way that this one does. So shouts to Elliot Kalen for doing that. And then just to shout out some of the individual stories, this is one of my favorite John Stewart stories I've ever oh, wow. read here, which is like the the third one in about the haunted uh, space yeah, yeah. platform. And it felt like John Stewart wasn't stuck in his usual tropes of like uh, sad, uh, like regretful Green Lantern just trying to to do right soldier vibe. And he, it felt like he could be his own person in this. But the Endless Staircase story with the Phantom Stranger was unbelievable. Worth picking up for that story alone. I loved it. 
Oh man, that to me had classic Vertigo guy vibes. Yeah, up the wazoo. Yeah. That was amazing. Up the wazoo. Up the wazoo. That's how you know. Just I'm way up about. the wazoo. Like I'm talking. When I give a compliment, it's about yeah. saying how far up the wazoo it is. And yeah. this one was way up the wazoo. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. That's the way. When I proposed to my wife, I was like, "Hey, I just want you all the way up the wazoo." What? And she was like, "I get it." And that's she why said she said she got it. She said yes. She wow. said yes when I said oh, all the way up the wazoo. I don't think that's um, how you did it. I don't no, you don't think so? Say, ah, I, I don't think she would say yes to that. Let's check the tape. I, obviously, I proposed <laughs> on a on tape. a comic book club podcast, so definitely check that out. I also want to shout out the Aquaman Aqualad stories. Yeah, said. dude. Yeah, that was good, too. Good stuff. Definitely pick this one up. Next up, A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, number one, from Image Comics, written by Rick Remender, art by Andre Lima Arejo. Uh, This is a kickoff, of course, of a new Rick Remender book. This has strong John Wick vibes to it, or at least Mm. it's beginning to, I felt like. Um, But it follows a guy who just has bad luck throughout his day, and things only get worse by the end. Justin, I know you were stoked for this one. What would you think about it? This feels like such a departure for Rick Remender, um, a, a book that is very spare with its dialogue. It's all about the atmosphere. It's all about just watching this character going through a, a pretty bummer of a day uh, to the point where um, he encounters um, some uh, horrifying uh, things. At the, uh, he walks into a horrifying scene and is definitely stepping uh, and I mean that very particularly into trouble here. Uh, but just Rick Remender, it feels like he's purposefully changing gears and saying, like, I want to write something that is about the visual language and see if I can and do it in a way that is still as compelling as my other work. And I think it was fully successful. I, great first issue. Yeah, I'm very, very excited about this. Also, it really looks like uh, the actor who plays Wong, which makes me very excited. I think this <laughs> is like a uh, really interesting, because it's it's a very interesting first issue where it doesn't hit you over the head. It's subtle, it's visual, it's got an interesting pace. As Justin is saying, like this is somebody who's worked on comic books for a while and is now being like, I want to take this medium and try to tell a kind of different kind of story than what you're used to with me. And it's very impressive. As far as the first issue, I'm not like, holy shit, this is amazeballs. I think it's uh, going to be a slow burn. And I can't mm. wait for this to kind of like uh, pick up and for us to get to know this main character more. I think this is a very interesting, intriguing first issue. Uh, once this kind of gets going, I feel like this could be a runaway hit. So I'm excited to see what happens. I mean, I'm curious to that point exactly what will happen, because I agree with you guys. It was very spare in this first issue, which is very impressive for Rick Remender. But he has a tendency to set up something and give you a vibe in the first issue and then completely wreck it purposefully in the second issue. Are you saying he's playing with our emotions? All the time, constantly. Man. That's his whole thing. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so... I don't know. I think at this point with the Rick Remender book, you kind of got to wait till the second issue to really make a determination. But just the art is very, very good here. Yes. So it's worth yeah. it for the art alone. Right, Pete? That's right. Wow. Eternal Celestia, number one from Marvel, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Kizama. This is another one shot set in the world of Eternals, but has some big ramifications, not just for Eternals, the title by Kieran Gillen, but also the greater Marvel universe. As we explore two of the Eternals and the relationship with the Avengers throughout history, 
I really like the first one shot that they did, but the second one yeah. is bringing into focus how important they're making to the Eternals to everything that's going forward. Uh, spoiler alert, they have a movie coming out, so that's probably part of the reason why. But I think the Kira Gillen is doing such a great job of it, and I love the danger and creativity and humor that plays throughout here. What did you guys think? Yeah, I was really impressed with the art, the the just the paneling and the kind of immenseness of this comic is very interesting. Yeah, with the uh, you know movie coming uh, getting closer and closer, it's interesting to see Marvel kind of putting out these uh, one shots that are different but similar. Uh, I feel like this is a very cool take and kind of like the kind of last panel, like, oh, shit, moment was very cool. Um, but it's also a lot of somebody kind of internally battling something, which is an interesting choice. So um, I'm very this comic makes me very curious to see how the Eternals movie is going to be, what's it going to be about, what aspect is going to, like, from the things that we're seeing, like, how close is this going to be to what we're going to see? So... Uh, I think it's very cool. Uh, I I thought this book was great. I really like the um, the celestial the uh, uh, Eternals encountering their gods and um, feeling like they are not in their god's eye anymore. I thought that was really cool. And setting up the uh, Eternals versus the Avengers, I thought was uh, an interesting thing. Like that's not just the, our current Avengers, but the Avengers throughout all of history. I thought was very cool. But the big thought I had out of this um, is more of a conspiracy theory. There's been a oh, lot of people talk, talking about how, like, Marvel wants to replace the X-Men with the Eternals. Oh. And that's why they're – have you heard that? No, uh, I hadn't heard that at all. Uh, I mean, I, I felt like there was a lot of talk about replacing the X-Men with Inhumans. And then, obviously, they bungled that TV show, and that never really panned out. But I hadn't heard about Eternals and X-Men. That's interesting. Go ahead, though, please. Uh, nice, great. Um, but what I reading this, it, it it struck me that it feels like rather than trying to make the Eternals cool like the X Men, what they've done in the comic book universe is make the X Men like the Eternals. Hmm. The X Men in in this book, they talk a lot about how the machine resurrects them, and they're just like ready to be resurrected whenever they face adversity, and death is not a thing. And that's literally what the X Men have become. And so. I think I don't I'm not saying that's necessarily why this is, but in practice, we have the X-Men and the Eternal sort of becoming very similar uh, properties just in the way that they fight their battles, the way that they exist. They're like, oh, they're immortal and always replicating themselves and just there to be icons, gods, uh, part of their own mythology um, in ways that I don't think we've looked ever looked at the X-Men in that same way. I mean, that's. That would potentially be an interesting story to follow if that is something they want to follow down because X-Men are be at the beginning of that journey and Eternals are several thousand years in. So them being like, hey, this is not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> it could yeah. be an interesting dynamic to potentially play down the road at some point. Let's move on to something new, though. Last Flight Out, number two, from Dark Horse Comics, written by Mark Guggenheim, art by Eduardo Fogato. The Googs. This is set in a world that's about to collapse. A ship, an ark, has been taking people off planet to save them from an Earth destroyed by climate crisis. And one man who invented those arcs is trying to reconnect with his daughter, who hates him. Uh, he tracks her down to Chicago. 
terrible place in real life and also come on don't say that you imagine bro come on they their hot dogs are weird their pizza is bizarre come on yeah don't take shots at chicago but we get that continuing story obviously things do not go very well for this group trying to find the daughter as you can imagine Uh, we like the first issue here what'd you think about the second one uh, I think this is cool. I like how we finally got to the daughter and classic, you know, father daughter situation, you know, like dad says it's time to go. And, you know, the daughter's like, come on, you know, five more minutes, you know, come on. I mean, this had to wow. hit home for you guys. Spoken like a parent over here. Uh, this had to really hit home for you guys. You, you would risk your life to go save your daughter. And then she would turn around and be like, buzz off, dad. I got this buzz off. Yes. Uh, my uh, kids are always using the phrase "buzz off." Um, right. The uh, what I mean, th- it was a bit triggering the fact that the dad just doesn't go to his daughter's things, and yeah, that comes to bite him in the ass so much. I was like, okay, lesson yeah. learned, uh, comic book. <laughs> uh, I'll pay more attention. Uh, but in general, this book, I like it. It moves at a pace that I really appreciate. It's like. Getting to the story, yeah, exactly. it's about the relationships. We're following this character in a couple different timelines, a couple different points in his life to really get to the story. Um, and if it's a race for him to reconnect with his daughter to all get on this uh, last flight out um, to hit the title, like that feels fun and I'm on board for that. Yeah, I think it's one. I'm sorry, Alex. I just wanted no. to more quickly reply to what Justin's no. saying. Like this idea of like, <laughs> no. if you're. no. no. If it's you my miss, if uh, if you did, weren't there for your daughter, like why would she listen to you? You know, at the end of the world type of thing. So it's uh, it's a very kind of like interesting thing of like it's not just save the world. It's like you have to connect with your yeah. daughter in enough time. So it's I, not I, just save the cheerleader, save the world. Something right. we all think about all the time. All but the time. I, it's exactly. I feel the same because I'm always like, I'm sorry, I can't be with you. I have to do this podcast. Well, I'll see you at the last flight out. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Next up, Arkham City, oh, wait, the order Justin, of, you uh, stuck yeah. in your leader, Hosen? You okay, buddy? Yeah, What's so, up? Okay. <laughs> yeah, Arkham City, the order of the world, number one from DC Comics, written by Dan Waters, art by Danny. This is a black label book, but it does tie into the continuity of what's been going on in Gotham City as the Joker supposedly killed everybody in Arkham Asylum. Now a bunch of the Arkham villains have broken out. And here we get the one remaining doctor from Arkham who kind of wants to take care of them. This is creepy. This is gross. I believe Don Waters is the writer of Homesick Pilots, which is one of our absolute favorites here on the show. And it's the same sense of weirdness and off-putting strangeness that permeates that book that he captures here. I, I really like this quite a bit. What about you guys? So good. Love this. Uh, finally, a take on Arkham that isn't like these monsters. Like we're getting to see these the the escapees from Arkham as like sick people that are actually not uh, that are actually need need help. And this doctor has maybe has embraced that and maybe gone a little too far. Uh, I guess we'll see. But the way that we get multiple perspectives here, I thought was really cool. The art was uh, creepy in the right ways. And the all the characters I'm super intrigued by. Really great read. I, I agree with Justin. I'm a little upset of his wording because I wanted to talk about how creepy fun the art is. But um, yeah, this is a really solid book 
very cool take. I really think uh, the art sets up this world and kind of sucks you in in such a cool way. Uh, I feel... After reading this, I was so excited for the next issue. I think they do such a good job of, like, building things up, uh, uh, kind of getting momentum going for what's coming next and getting the reader excited. So, uh, well done. This, the art in particular, I think it has its own flavor to it, but really reminded me of Tim Sale on the the long Halloween books and other things. And I think that's kind of what they're trying to channel here. Great stuff. Definitely check this out. Next up, I know this is one of Pete's favorites, Dirtbag Rapture, number one from Oni Press, written by Christopher Sabella, art by Kendall Good. The concept of this book is a woman who not only sees ghosts, but has a hotel in her head that she can use to transport ghosts from one place to another. And she encounters one particular particular ghost, excuse me, that completely messes up her life. Pete, oh, man. what struck you? about this book in particular. Well, this is a very cool creative idea. You know, like uh, when you saw, uh, when at least when I saw the title Dirtbag, I was like, all right, here we go. Another creepy dude who realizes maybe he's a piece of shit and has got to make some changes in his life. So like, cool, yeah. But here we have this woman character who has these powers, but also because of these powers, it puts such a toll on her that as soon as she's not using her powers, she's like, I need drugs. I need some kind of escape. I need something to kind of like be able to fucking get chill. So it's a very, I think a cool twist, a good take on this of like, here's a character who might be a little messed up or might be running away from issues, but is helping out all of these like stranger ghosts these ghosts that are kind of stuck and if there's an interesting thing that this ghosts are tethered to where they die but they long to be with family or friends or some other place and she can help transport them in her little kind of like hotel in her mind so like fucking creative ideas something we haven't seen before so uh i think it's a very cool take of very interesting characters i think they did a great job of setting up this world and getting me excited for more I agree. This is a fun, big premise book yeah. that uh, that really plays out the premise, premise in a way that, like, I didn't see coming. I really like the characters here. And then we get a fun extra twist at the end. Um, yeah. Great first issue for this book. And now it is time to turn it over to this week's sponsors. Autumn is in the air, the pumpkins are in the patch, and our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you don't carve your pants pumpkins when you're grooming, Mm -hmm. if you know what I'm saying. Make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. Boys, get ready for cuffing season like no other. Ready to take the leap into fall with Manscaped? Join the two million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off, plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20. Pete, you have a question. What's going on? Yeah, when you say uh, pumpkins in your pants, Mm -hmm. uh, are you saying that I should go out and buy pumpkins and store them in my pants? Like big ones or small ones? Because I actually had the same question. Like you said, uh, pants you know pumpkins when you're grooming. You know what I'm saying, and I was yeah, like, I, was I like, don't well, know. I, I don't know I what he's saying exactly. I don't know yeah. what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, I also don't know what I'm saying, <laughs> but I assume you, you got to go to the pumpkin patch, and I can't ah, imagine you right. put a full size pumpkin in there, but probably one of those small gourds you get. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Because 
I don't want gourds that are like full covered in hair. Like I want right. clean gourds. Uh, mm-hmm. So like I get so like I guess that's why I'm super excited about this Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, where I'm going to get the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. Right. The weed whacker, sure. um, uh, ear and nose hair trimmer, the crop preserver and ball deodorant, right, right. Uh, the crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and of course a travel sure. bag, which is I'm at the pumpkin patch. I need a travel bag to carry this stuff back to my home. Absolutely. You know, it, it's funny. I was making jack-o'-lanterns the other day, and I used the Lawnmower 4.0 to make my jack-o'-lanterns because it's a fourth-generation trimmer that features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents and carve triangle eyes and jagged teeth in a pumpkin. Huh. I shouldn't use jagged and then talk about this smooth ball <laughs> trimmer because it's not going to leave things jagged. It's going to leave things nice and smooth. And also, similar to a jack-o'-lantern, this will shine some light on what you need to see when you're downstairs doing a little trimming. So definitely worth it. Uh, of course, you're talking about the, um, the 4000K LED spotlight. That's uh, right. Which I know you love, Pete. You love that light. Absolutely. I was doing a show the other day and we lost power in the venue and we were able to put up a couple of uh, the <laughs> performance trippers and light up the whole show. It was pretty nice. incredible. Right. Uh, we did also actually use the Weed Whacker ear trimmer as well, but that was unrelated to that. It was just to trim our ears. Get just 20% off. Plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at Manscaped.com. Make your balls a priority this fall. Choose Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Uh, Traditionally, um, Autumn uh, was originally called Ball, and they Mm. later Mm. transitioned it to Fall. And traditionally, we say your space balls will thank you. So uh, (laughs) it's nice to get a little update. Bruce Wayne may appear to be a wealthy playboy, but beneath this facade, his true identity is that of the Batman, waging an endless war against crime. Join the Cape Crusader and Batman The Audio Adventures, the first scripted audio original featuring Batman and his villainous rogues gallery in a world premiere story of life and death in Gotham City, debuting exclusively on HBO Max. Starring Jeffrey Wright as Batman and a who's who of incredible Saturday Night Live alums, this rollicking adventure told across 10 episodes is written and directed by Emmy winner Dennis McNicholas, includes devilishly delightful original music by Doug Bossy, and performances by Rosario Dawson, John Leguizamo, Chris Parnell, Melissa Villasenor, Seth Meyers, Jason Sudeikis, Brooke Shields, Fred Armisen, and many, many more. Go to hbomax.com slash Batman Audio Adventures for more and stream Batman the Audio Adventures only on HBO Max. <laughs> Defenders number three from Marvel, written by Al Ewing, art by Javier Rodriguez. This is continuing the weird, wild, trippy adventures of the Defenders characters. This is a new team of Defenders as they travel backwards in time, way Whoa. backwards, to fight a multiversal monster. The real hero here, I, I believe, as always with issue three, is Javier Rodriguez's art, which is yeah, come on. Roof. Just so good. But I will say Al alone U- is worth picking it up. Come on. Really, really great art. But Al Ewing, um, who sort of came to prominence in his run on the Immortal Hulk, is really stretching out and doing some other stuff and bringing together uh, four characters for this Defenders arc that are, excuse me, really fun and surprising. Like the fact that we have um, Harpy in here, uh, Betty Banner, a character that we really haven't been 
with. We don't know what she's been thinking for a long time. She's become this sort of Hulk uh, monster uh, recently. And I love that she's featured here. I love the story they're telling. I love the sort of in the, a world that is too magical, coming from a world of too too much science. And the way this series is just like fun and weird at the same time is excellent. Yeah, I think this is a creative team that they put together on this book. And it is just absolutely stunning. Uh, just, just fun. This is just a creative, fun book. Definitely worth checking out. And as a note, it actually has a tie-in to Immortal Hulk in the issue that is rather intriguing as well. So if you've been picking up that book and not this one, definitely check it out. Next up, Lucky Devil, number three from Dark Horse Comics, written by Colin Bunn, art by Fran Galan. This is a book about a guy who was possessed by a demon, got exercised, but kept all the demon's powers. And now he is teaming up with the Church of Satan try to preach his hellish gospel. As we find out in this issue, things are not turning out totally cleanly and easy for him. This gets better every issue. I It's so gross. It's funny. I'm really enjoying this quite a bit. What about you guys? Yeah, I think it's a very creative, cool book. It's it's uh, It keeps kind of getting uh, weirder and darker and heightening things in such a interesting way. It it really kind of like once you kind of start reading, it really pulls you in. I'm, I'm impressed by this book. I think the art is really leading the way and I love the characters and what's happening. So it's very cool. I love the way they transition in this book from a character that was like, I'm in charge, a character that had a demon exercise but kept the demon's powers and then also had to hang out with the demon, the powerless yeah, gotta, demon. That's the thing you buddy. don't hear about. You, When you take a demon's powers, you then got to hang out with that demon, and that's tough. Yeah, and um, for this book to sort of move through all those ideas and now our main character here is like, I got this, and is clearly outmatched at almost yeah. all fronts um, by the horrible situation that he's in. And then we have our demon who's become like this fun sidekick, you know, like a Cato Kalen hang, hanger on in a fun way, I think is really cool. It's a surprising book that keeps keeps the fun high. Absolutely. Nice House on the Lake, number five from DC Comics, written by James Tyne and the Fourth, art by Alvaro Martinez Bueno. Here, once again, we're continuing a focus on one of the characters who are trapped in this house, the possible last remaining stronghold of human beings on the entire Earth. Last issue, we found out that they can't die. That's something they deal with this issue. And finally, everybody starts to put their separate information together to try to figure out exactly what's going on here. Something that has taken them over a month at this point to do in terms of the time uh, that's taking place in the book. And there is a huge, huge revelation at the end that changes the entire series. Uh, This is easily one of the best books on the stand every single month. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I agree. Okay. Like the way this book in this issue in particular expands the world as they're like, we're immortal, trying to figure out why that is, what's happening. We get a, an expansion of the geography of the world they're in, exploring that. And then by the end of the issue, everything gets hyper focused uh, on a whole new direction. James Tynan has uh, just set himself up and it just. It, it's a person that when he first came to the comic scene, he was like, I'm just writing books. Uh, Scott Snyder sort of 
is my mentor, brought me into the comic book fold. And now all of his books are crushing so hard in a way that I don't think anyone could have predicted. And to be reading both this and the Batman book we're going to talk about in a minute and have them both be by the same writer and wildly different but also amazing is very impressive. I I really think that this book is worth it. Um, It's... Uh, for me, it was a lot of like people sitting around talking, but man, the reveal makes it all worth it. The art is amazing. They continue- sometimes talking gets you places, Pete. Yeah, it's weird how that is, but it's just this- like us on this podcast. Like mm-hmm. we get to some pretty crazy places yeah. eventually. Yeah, it's mainly your fault. But anyway, I just think that this is like one of those books that's really impressive in the way that it turns it it keeps turning in a way that keeps you like oh i'm not i just when you think like oh i've got a handle on what's going on and i understand how this is going to work uh yeah it's just can't say enough about the writing art is great this is a great package Next up, Dark Ages, number two from Marvel, written by Tom Taylor, art by Ivan Coelho. This takes place in a Marvel universe where all power has been knocked out by a weird multiversal being who lives in the center of the Earth. This issue, we find out the surprising twist that things have actually turned out okay, mostly for the Earth or the remaining people there. Uh, And then, of course, things get bad. And I think Tom Taylor has this amazing talent for almost every issue that he writes in this mode, and I know I brought these up a bunch, but Injustice, Deceased here, where the story is always like, things were really bad, and then the heroes figured it out, and you know what? I think things are going to be better. And then the end of the issue is like, no, they're fucking worse! They're so bad now! Things are terrible! (laughs) And every single time, and it gets me every single time, every issue, because I'm like, oh, there's so much hope. Nope! Nope, just pulling the rug out. Like a classic, I feel like Charlie Brown with the football every single time oh, I read wow. a Tom Taylor book, and it's it's great, mind you. Well, but. and I think that's spot on. Like, yes, that, but also the way that Tom Taylor can explore the different sections of the Marvel Universe here in this book, over in Deceased, uh, he did the same thing with the DC Universe. Like, it's not, we're not just in the Avengers area or in the X-Men area. To be able to move through them pretty seamlessly and be like, no, let's look at this as a a line-wide or a worldwide event and how everyone is going to be messed up by it and they're also going to be thrown in the same basket because they're the powerful people so you know they're going to come into conflict or at least uh, bump into each other and what are the consequences of that in a a new world? Very good. First off, I just want to say on behalf of Justin, like, how dare you compare yourself to Charlie Brown, okay? Justin is uh, Charlie Brown. Uh, he clearly uh, has played Charlie Brown numerous times. Done an unbelievable job at it. So the fact that you would spit in his face like that is just ridiculous. You're and you, the right. listener, probably has some questions about what Pete's talking about, <laughs> and we're not here to answer them at this time. <laughs> but uh, I do I do think that this is a, a great book, very interesting setup. Uh, I was very excited to see Taskmaster and then horribly disappointed. But uh, I think that <laughs> this is uh, such 
the twists and turns and the fun of this book is great. So definitely worth picking up and checking out for sure. That's exactly what the peppermint patty of the podcast would say. Oh, Moving which on is to you're a fucking peppermint pig pad, patty. Fuck oh, I'm pig pad? Yeah, I'm that's pig right. Pad? That's right. Okay, I'll own that. The Swamp know. Thing number eight from DC Comics, written by Ram V, art by Mike Perkins. In this issue, I think. I hope we're wrapping up the Suicide Squad arc here. I will say, I know I've been very down on the Suicide Squad's crossover. Yeah, I the do think yeah. Mike Perkins' art, always good. Ram V, doing a really good job of making it matter to the overall arc of the Swamp Thing title, but it's still, I feel like I am happy this is done and we moved on so that we can focus on the weirdness that they've been building up a Swamp Thing without tying it into other characters. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely get that. Peacemaker in particular, excuse me, feels like it's like, oh, what what are you doing here? We're just dealing with this sort of larger world philosophy stuff. And the Peacemaker's like, I have some green uh, bats and I want to hit you with them. And Swamp Thing has to fight them off. But I mean, I, I think it all works. Like, I do. It, and it, I agree. It does work as something that sort of breaks up the larger philosophy stuff that we're getting here between um, – the new Swamp Thing and uh, and his brother, who is sort of a reverse Swamp Thing or a Swamp Thing that is like uh, change, trying to change the message um, of the Parliament of Trees um, here. And I think I, I like the sort of new world that they're dealing with. And I'm very curious which philosophy will sort of win out, because unlike some other books, like the villain's philosophy has some merit uh, in the real world. Uh I, I disagree with you guys. I like the commercial uh, for Suicide Squad in the middle of this. I thought it was an interesting use of the character. I thought it kind of worked. So I, I agree. And it's a nice reminder that, like, hey, if you're bored, maybe go watch Suicide Squad. It's a fun time. Uh, you know, Rocky is the wow. fucking shark. But Adverti- I, Advertising working hardcore on P right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I just think that this is, like... Uh, this is this is cool. This is a very like it's an uh, uh, interesting, cool take on Swamp Thing. This is like creepy in the right ways, and I think very enjoyable. So, and Swamp Thing is like a moist pig pen, Alex. So you must have uh, really appreciate oh, it. Yeah, yeah, there we okay, go. Okay, I like it a little better. It's like now. a very humid pig pen. Yeah, very like the good. dirt is just very like heavy Spanish moss. Yeah. yeah, when dirt gets heavy, we call it mud. The Me You Love in the Dark, number three there from Image Comics, written by Scotty Young, art by Jorge Corona. This is about an artist who takes residence in a strange house and discovers an entity there who... It, uh, I, I have a question. My question oh, is, because it's not 100% clear, she th- thinks she's having a psychotic break, right? Like, I think what is going on here is she thinks she's going crazy, but there actually seems to be some sort of demonic or ghost entity who was hanging out with her, right? I would have believed that for maybe the first half to uh, uh, three quarters of the book. But when she's like, I want to have sex with you ghost, (laughs) I was like, nope, she knows that's a ghost and she wants to have sex with the ghost, which I get. If I'm meeting a ghost, I'm alone in a big house and there's just a ghost there, I'm like, I might try to fuck this ghost. What? (laughs) Give it Uh, a shot. That's what they tried first in Ghostbusters. You love that movie, Pete. I do, but not let's not forget ghost. the movie Ghost, which is literally about having sex with the ghost. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, I 
Oh, no. Pete's never I'm... thought about having sex with a ghost all of a sudden. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> the Prude here doesn't want to have Pete, sex with a deceased person. What do you think those ghost hunters person? are doing? They're trying to hunt down those ghosts and have sex with them. That's the no, entire not. idea yeah. of the show. So, yeah, I mean... You know, somebody kind of like maybe losing their mind, struggling with a deadline, trying to get things done, and maybe creating kind of a weird, deadline. Uh, a deadline. Just trying to. Uh, <laughs> Pete, how can you say that? How can you say that when the uh, the official phrase of the movie Ghostbusters is "I ain't afraid of sex with ghosts"? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, I just, you know, when she was like, yeah, stop talking, let's have sex. And I was like, okay, I don't know what's going on anymore. Um, but the you art's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really good, though. This, this is a very good book. The art is gorgeous. It's very creepy and upsetting. I don't know. I don't have any idea how this is going to end up. Because I can't tell, and I think purposefully can't tell whether this is supposed to be a romance or a horror at this point. Um, very interesting. But Pete, Pete, you're a rom-com guy. Right. Um, you must, do you like the rom-com aspects here? Because I think a lot of this book is about um, yeah, they our talk main character about and the ghost. This is great, yeah. They're I'm watching the movie About Time, which yeah. is really a hardcore name check. Yeah. Uh, the movie About Time, which I looked up, and uh, that's a rom-com I've never seen. What? Oh, really? No. No, you Is guys are repping Domhnall Gleeson and Rachel and McAdams. Rachel right? McAdams. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel McAdams. Come on, dude. Rachel McDonald McGleason. <laughs> Rachel McAdams is a staple in rom coms, dude. Yeah. I know. I'm just saying I haven't seen this movie. That's what I say. Like you're so down How on this. How could you but not like, Fucking see about time, bro. About time is a weird one to start with. Love actually, yeah. when they get to that, I'm like, all right, of I get course. Well, like, they should have started talking about love actually, and then going to about time. No, absolutely. Dude. About time is much more niche than love actually. Who cares? About time's still fun. Yo, so I fun. love that, Pete. You're like this ghost sex stuff really is off putting to me. You talk about about time. I'll talk to you for forty five minutes about about time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A time traveling exactly. guy trying to make his life better. I'm going to talk about that. No, but come on, dude. But the fucking moral of the story is you should treat each day like you've traveled back in time for this day. Appreciate you should treat every. You should treat each ghost like you've traveled to have sex with that ghost. Is <laughs> oh what I'm saying. Oh boy. Batman I'm afraid, I'm afraid of sex with no ghosts. Oh my god. <laughs> number 114. From You're, DC Comics, written by James Todd the Fourth and Brandon Thomas, art by Jorge Jimenez and Jason Howard. So the front story here is continuing the Fear State storyline as some big things go down in Gotham City. And the backup is all about Clown Hunter with a nice twist here that brings him into the main continuity of the Batman titles. I will just throw it out there. Main story, really good. I do want them to get to whatever is going on with Fear State at this point because I feel like they've been dancing around it for a while. Yeah, they've been dancing around it for a while, and it seems like they are going to get to it the next issue. But again, that backup story, killing it. So good. Yeah. Clown Hunter is strong. But I will say, I agree with you. Like, like let's get to Scarecrow's plot here. But great action sequences. Yeah. Uh, the. Peacemaker program, uh, like all the the drama of this action sequence was masterfully done. I just really liked this fight issue uh, and the way that Batman came in. A book where 
for the for, for half of the book, I was like, uh, Batman, who's he? Yo, and then all of a sudden Batman he shows at? up. I'm like, Batman, yes, great <laughs> that he's here uh, in a way that was a fun surprise. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought the, the first part was super intense in all the right ways. I do want to kind of get get to this thing. Um, but I'm enjoying the build up. It's really well done. Uh, having a lot of just kind of individual stuff. And again, you know, I love this kind of Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy stuff that, that I can't wait to get to as well. But then the Molly also, Miracle character. In yes, here, I think it's really also cool. really great. Great use of that. And um, so there's a lot of cool, interesting movie pieces while this intense stuff is happening, which is great. But then we have this clown hunter back up, which I was like, what the fuck is this deal with this clown hunter thing? But then once you drop Robin in there, such a great duo. Love the idea of this. And now I just want more clown hunter. All right, there we go. Last but not least, Wonder Woman 80th anniversary, 100 page, super spectacular number one. From DC Comics, written by Michael W. Conrad and Becky Cluden, Jordi Belair, Amy Reader, Mark Wade, Tom King, Vida Ayala, Steve Orlando, Stephanie Phillips, and G. Willow Wilson. Art by Jim Chung, Paulina Ganeshel, Marissa Louise, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, Evan Doc Shaner, Isaac Goodhart, Laura Braga, Marcio Takara, and Megan Hetrick. As you could probably guess, this is another collection from DC Comics, this time celebrating the 80th anniversary of Wonder Woman. Pete, take it away. 100-page super spectacular. Oh, amazing covers. Cliff Chang kills it with one of the covers. Uh, just a really fantastic collection of stories celebrating Wonder Woman. I think they did a great job of collecting a lot of different people for this. Uh, you know, you got the DWJ pinup I was excited about. I really liked um, uh, Better Angels was really cool story. Dear Diana, also just so great. Interesting. Take this icon and put her in different places. Let's hear her complain about being surrounded by dudes. I love it. This is cool, interesting stuff. Way to kind of take this character and uh, celebrate her as well as kind of like uh, uh, pick apart different things that make her great. I, I really appreciated the time and effort that went into this uh, anniversary special, and I definitely think it's uh, worth picking up. Yeah. Go ahead, Justin. I was going to say, just I love the different eras we touch on in this um, in, in this series, not a series, but in this book where we're we're they're celebrating Wonder Woman after uh, so long. I feel like we celebrate Wonder Woman a lot in the DC universe. Uh, so wrong. I'm, but I'm fine to keep doing it. Uh, yeah. Great, uh, a lot of different eras here. I I want to know what Wonder Woman is going to be. Mm -hmm. um, so that we can really enjoy these different takes on it because Wonder Woman is sort of in limbo right now. Wonder Woman is. Nice. I Two that I'll call out in particular, Michael W. Conrad and Becky Cloonan's story with Jim Chiang is really good because it works as a nice coda to everything that they did on that run on the book, which is really good. Um, and also a tee-up to whatever is coming next in Wonder Woman. And the other one is Tom King and Evan Doc Shaner's story, which is yeah. great. It's just classic like 70s or 80s style Wonder Woman and Superman going on a date and... It's very fun, very 
The characters are so good. I love just dorky Clark Kent throughout. Good stuff. Uh, And uh, across the board, just good, lots of care taken with all of these stories, like Pete was saying. Uh, Lots of different art styles, like uh, shouts to the Isaac Goodhart art, I think, Mm -hmm. on the the Cheetah story. uh, Yes. Better Angels uh, that Pete shouted out. Like, I really like that. Right. If you like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop. Because you can have sex with a ghost and it's fine with marriage, like a human marriage. What? So, I, that's I what we know. all. I don't know huh? if your wife would be cool with that, dude. No, it's a ghost. Well, that's what a ghost. That's, that counts. That's where the phrase "ghosting" comes from. No, yeah, I ghosted. I ghosted last. No way. Yeah,